The Real Zodiac presents Retro Reels, a deep dive into the movies that made us, from cult classics to binge-worthy franchises. Join us for this time-traveling cinematic journey. We're sending you back to the future! And as always, your hosts will keep it real. Let's go. dark days ahead of us too. There will be days where you feel all alone. And that's when hope is needed most. No matter how buried it gets, or how lost you feel, you must promise me that you will hold on to hope. Keep it alive. We have to be greater than what we suffer. My wish for you is to become hope. People need that. And even if we fail, what better way is there to live? As we look around here today at all of the people who helped make us who we are, I know it feels like we're saying goodbye, but we will carry a piece of each other into everything that we do next to remind us of who we are and of who we're meant to be. They've had a great four years with you. I'll miss you all very much. Welcome to the Spider-Man Retro Reels Collection. It's Spider-Man! Where we deep dive through all the Spider-Man films week to week leading up to the new film, Spider-Man, no way home. Welcome back to the bonus round. Meet our host, Quentin. Hey, my name's Spider-Man. You can call me Webhead. You can call me Amazing. Just don't call me late for dinner. Get it? Amanda. And that is why you were number two at Midtown. And Gary. It's not broken. Now it's time for me to light my candles. On this journey through the Webhead cinematic beats. Ah, there's no place like home. Is your spider sense tingling? Because there will be spoilers and mild language ahead. You lied to me! Thanks for joining us. Now, let's get started. Then let's go catch a spider. His greatest battle begins. Against Rotten Tomatoes score because we are talking the amazing Spider-Man 2 today. Woo! So I want to bring in my guest of honor in helping me talk about this movie, uh, Amanda. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and Gary. Hey. Well, we are talking about, I guess, continuing on from The Amazing Spider-Man, we are now talking about The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, what a movie. 2014 was the year that we got Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, along with Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and also Guardians of the Galaxy. So these were definitely huge superhero movies in their own retrospect. But, man, I felt like Spider-Man was fighting for his life to really make sure that he stayed on top. Um, 
This movie was directed again by Mark Webb, and we're looking at a screenplay by Alex Kurtman, Roberto Orki, and Jeff Pinkner. And uh, we're looking at Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone, Jamie Foxx, Dane DeHaan, Campbell Scott, Paul Giamatti, Sally Field, and Felicity Jones. Um, oh, yeah, Felicity Jones. That's right. I almost called her Felicia. Um, yeah, this movie had a run, or I should say a runtime of 141 minutes, a budget to $200 million, and a box office of $709 million, making it the, where did I see that? The ninth highest grossing film of 2014, but the lowest grossing live action Spider-Man film to date. Ooh, so what does that have to, you know, say about this movie? So let's talk about it. Um, Gary, your continuation with a good fascination of Andrew Garfield. What was your hype <laughs> level going into this one? Um, just rewatching it. I mean, I think I was really excited because this, I'm telling you, it's my favorite Spider-Man movie so far. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe Spider-Man 3 can change that. No Way Home, right? Yeah. Or, but, um, yeah, no, I was really excited to watch this again. Okay. Amanda, what was your excitement level for this movie when it first came out? To be honest, my excitement level was not even on the radar for this one because I did not go watch this in the theaters back in the day. Really? Because hmm. I was already uh, engrossed into the Marvel films, so. Oh, yeah. You were kind of putting this to the side then. Yep, 100%. <laughs> well, Gary, this might surprise you, but I don't think I've ever been more excited for a Spider-Man film. Well, kind of disregarding uh, No Way Home because that's just off the chain right now. But 2014 Quentin was so overly hyped for this movie coming out. Like I bought the poster – I watched the trailer day in and day out. Uh, I made, I posted a countdown. I made a countdown on my phone. I was extremely hyped for this movie only because we're fine. We were out of the kind of like wheelhouse of getting, um, an origin story for Spider-Man. All that was in the past. I mean, say what you will about it. I still thought it was very lackluster compared to Sam Raimi's vision, but. We're moving on. We're in new territory now. We are moving on to a complete new story for Spider-Man, and we're getting the elect. We're getting Electro. We're getting the Rhino. Um, Green Goblin was kind of in the in the dark there for a bit, which I mean, I, if whoo, I understand why. Um, yeah, so like this was all brand new, and I was extremely hyped because they beefed up the suit. It's not that homemade kind of sunglasses type mask suit um like a track suit it's more of the original uh spider-man suit but with bigger eyes you know and that was kind of the big draw for me was a new suit new adventures i'm all for it um yeah gary i was extremely excited for this movie and seeing it that day i mean i left the theaters thinking this was the best movie i've ever seen until I watched it again. And again. Oh, no. And again. <laughs> so, we'll get into it. But, 
Yeah, there are some problems with this movie that I will go over, but there is something that I will say right off the bat. This is some of the best Spider-Man stuff we've seen in a Spider-Man movie thus far. Like, I, I put it over uh, anything that we saw in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. So I hope that kind of helps you a little bit. You know, I'm not saying this is a total train wreck. But right. let's kind of get into the behind the scenes here. So we're in the age, take us back to 2014. We're in the age of when everything has to be like a cinematic universe. The Marvel series is doing so well. DC's moving on and doing their stuff with Man of Steel. And there's possibility of Batman versus Superman happening. You know, this is all crazy. So Sony wanted to make a universe of their own, all dedicated to the webhead. And so when this movie was done filming, they already announced that there would be two sequels, Spider-Man 3 and 4. We were getting a, a solo Venom movie that was going to tie into this universe. And we we're going to get a Sinister Six movie. And so all this was in the pipe for uh, Sony all leading up to after this movie was made. Then... Andrew Garfield made sure to let his voice be known in saying that this was not a good movie. He didn't enjoy it, and he wanted out. And so because of that, they were already looking oh, at – Sorry? I said, oh, that's sad. Yeah, it was. But, I mean, I could understand with what they were doing to this character because, I mean, this might just be me, but this was a very bloated story of just, like, making sure we still kept the parents – uh, we had villains. Um, we had a story to tell with Harry Osborn. I mean, there's just a lot going into this movie. And uh, Andrew Garfield felt like it was just too much, and he was stretched thin. And, yeah, he kind of just didn't care anymore, which is so weird because he was so jazzed to be Spider-Man, you know, uh, in 2011 when they were announcing it, you know? So... Seeing that and hearing that, I mean, Sony kind of pulled the plug and they're like, well, what do we do? And then the Sony email leaks, they were hacked. And there was talks that they were going to get Andrew Garfield in with the MCU and all that stuff. And then they kind of had to pull the plug on everything and start anew. And they made this deal with Sony and Marvel. And we'll kind of discuss that next week. But... Um, yeah, that led to Tom Holland becoming Spider-Man. So yeah, all of everything that was in the pipe was down the drain. So that's why we only get two of these movies. And this one feels like it is just a continuation and needing a third part, uh, because there's just so much left from it. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to get that out of the way. Gary, did you know any of this going in? No, actually, I think you mentioned maybe some of that um, when we watched or discussed the first one, but I didn't know much. I don't think I knew much of that. And did you know Mary Jane really was going to be in it? I don't think I knew that unless you said it before. But no, I think that's new to me, which is really sad to hear. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they had they so had Shailene Woodley from the Divergent series. Oh, play okay. Mary yeah, Jane. I know who that is. Yeah, that and is- uh, they did her – they they uh, filmed her scenes and everything and then realized they think they made her too likable and that 
to the point where they would be fine if Gwen Stacy died. Which Yikes. blows my mind. How can you do that in a couple scenes? But, you know, we'll get into it. Uh, yeah, so this was all kind of... This is going to be a huge movie for the franchise. And for it to basically have this and then plummet to the ground to nothing... Uh, I mean, it sucks, but <laughs> that's showbiz, baby. But Amanda, that it is. That yeah. it is. <laughs> Amanda, did you? So you didn't see this in theaters. When, when did you finally uh, go ahead and see this movie? A few weeks ago. <gasps> no way for this <laughs> review. Yes. <laughs> Holy cow! Okay, 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 okay. Well then, I'm curious. What were your thoughts going in, and what were they whenever they were done? Um, like for me, it's because I knew some of that history and the Marvel stuff was happening, and you know, and I liked the first Amazing Spider-Man, but I didn't love it, so I'm still, you know, I'm in the Tobey Tobey Maguire camp at that point. So I didn't really have any desire to see this because I didn't know what was going to happen with the MCU and with Sony Studios. And I, yeah, so I didn't know what the expectations were. And at that point, that's when I started getting into movies a little bit more on the level of uh, studios being assholes. Right. So I didn't have any high expectations because I was still coming off of like um, Spider-Man 3 where the studios put their fingers into things. And so that was part of my like, well, I don't know if I'm going to watch this because now everything's about money and the studios and it's not going to be Spider-Man fun, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, Yeah. So Gary, since like, and I'm not calling you in any way like oblivious to this, but Looking at it from your perspective, how did this movie kind of resonate with you not knowing this kind of stuff? Um, like, like, um, like, like, keep more, like, not knowing. I'm oh, sorry. just, no, you're fine. Like, like Sony being such like a huge drive and like, Oh, you basically, just yeah, like wanting this to become like a huge franchise of multiple spinoff films instead of, you know, just like a one contained movie. Like, did did any of that seem like it was happening when you were watching this or were you just kind of like, OK, this hmm. is just the movie, you know? You know what? You know what? Actually, I don't know. I, I like the movies for what they are. And I, I and again, this is like my Spider-Man, right? So, like, I love these movies for what they are and. It, it's it's sad to think of what could have been, but it, it is annoying to think like, man, well, Sony just kind of dropped the ball with this, or I don't know what happened exactly. Right? I mean, you, you guys have talked about it, but like, uh, I, when you're watching it, I feel like there is a little bit of okay, well, somehow the story is going to continue the way that the second one ends. I think uh, kind of leaves you wondering like, oh, what's next, right? Right. Yeah. Like you set up for the next part, the next film. Um, so that is really frustrating. Just thinking about like, man, this really could have been something really big, but I do, I still love the movies. I don't know. I love the amazing Spider-Man series. Uh, so, (laughs) and you know what, to be honest, you know, how could this series go on without Gwen Stacy? 
you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see that. I don't see how that would have happened, but, um, <laughs> you know. Well, let's kind of break it down just a little more here, because I want to start with the continuation of Richard and Mary, um, Peter Parker's parents, right? They're recording a video message uh, to explain his disappearance, and they board a private jet to get hijacked. I mean, did this action work for you, Amanda? Like, what what was your kind of mindset going into this, uh, knowing that you know this was your first time? Um, I just um assumed that the action was going to be good. Um, with the advancement in technology to where it was the cinematography was going to be good. And yeah, um, that's like probably like the, the best parts of this film are a lot of the, the camera shots and seeing Spider-Man yeah, in the and city. some of the action scenes. Yeah. So other things, no, not so good, but <laughs> those to me are definitely the best parts of this film. I'm glad you said it because, um, I remember leaving this theater thinking that this was the most beautiful, like visually appealing movie I've seen in a very long time. The colors and Electro and Spider-Man swinging through the city was some of the best stuff we've seen. It felt like a comic book was lifted, you know, and they did such a great job. They had a little bit of the POV shots from, you know, the first one that they did, which I thought they could have done more of, you know, to make you feel like you're part of the action. You're in his mask. But here it was just like you're watching him, yes, but it feels like you're swinging with him. And oh, it just yeah. felt a little more personal than we've ever seen in the Sam Raimi movies. Mm. I don't know. I was all I was all for that. But uh yeah, we we get we get a great I want to say, quote unquote, great scene with Spider-Man and Alexei Sitsevich, uh, who is going to play the Rhino. We have Paul Giamatti. Um, this felt like very 60s comic book. Everything from the jokey lines and how it worked and Paul Giamatti's character. I mean, he said he had a, a bunch of fun doing this movie. I mean, I could feel it. Um, because like, he's like, what are you a shaker, a hugger? And he goes, I'm a killer. Like that is just out of the sixties for sure. But we see the relationship also with Gwen when she's calling him on the phone and he sees the, he sees kind of like the vision of Captain Stacy from the first one who, you know, straight up told Peter that he needs to leave Gwen out of it. And so I was excited to see how that relationship was going to progress in this film because of that promise he said, and then also what he kind of initially wanted to break by the end of Amazing Spider-Man. So, I mean, yeah, we knew that they were going to eventually kind of get back together and he was going to go back on her dad's promise, but I don't know, for me to get to know them better as a couple in this film, it just went back and forth too much between the other 45 storylines and then them. And I don't know. Um, I wanted a bit more of her, but what I got, I it wasn't enough or wasn't what I wanted, I guess. I think you're onto something for sure, because it felt like this movie was basically a superhero movie, a mystery film, a rom-com and like a uh, 
I, I guess maybe just those three uh, all in one, and it just felt like it was trying and trying to figure out what it wanted to be. And the Gwen and, and uh, Peter stuff was probably some of my favorite stuff because you can kind of really see the chemistry between those two, obviously because they were actually dating in real life. But it worked for me more than a lot of what was happening in this movie. I honestly could have been fine if those two were in a different movie that Mark Webb would have created instead of kind of like putting this rom-com into a Spider-Man film. I don't know. I, I, I think I see your points. There's a lot going on in these movies, right? Um, including their, you know, Gwen and Peter's like romance, but I just, I don't know. I just, I just love, I love Gwen Stacy. I love, uh, what is it? Emma Roberts? I forget. Emma Stone. Emma, Emma Stone. Oh my God. <laughs> There's too many yes, Emma's, Emma dude. Stone. You're fine. <laughs> Wrong Emma. Emma Stone, Andrew Garfield. I just love what they do with their characters. Their relationships just, I don't know, just seems right. And the way they portray their characters in the relationships just seems so much better than, I mean, well, I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm more of a fan of them, these two, over the relationship we saw with Toby and um, what's her name? Kirsten. Yes. You're um, not wrong. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I okay. love these two compared to Toby's awkwardness and yes. <laughs> uh, Mary Jane's like kind of flatness from two and on, you know, right. she's good in the first one. I mean, she was impeccable in the first one because mm-hmm. you could feel like the doe eyed love going on, but then it just fell a little more flat as you go on. And in this one, it just feels so lively and mm-hmm. bouncy and just flirty. And I think yes. that's something I, I think they do so well in this movie, a superhero movie, you know, like they're mm-hmm. doing it very well. But like, I'm just going to say it like this movie shouldn't be called The Amazing Spider-Man 2 because I think Spider-Man's in it maybe 13 minutes Oh man. Like it's it's just not a lot. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. so much with this parent plot, so much with Gwen and Peter's relationship, um a character we're about to talk about and his plight to destruction. I mean, it's just a lot going on and it just doesn't feel like a Spider Man movie because Spider Man's I feel like he's barely in it. Do you agree, Amanda? Yeah, he's not in this one as much for sure. There's just so much, and again, it's suffering from what um, Spider-Man 3, just pick a villain. Mm. We don't need two, we don't need ten. Just pick a storyline and go with it. And the movie got wrapped up in a lot of that, and that's where I felt like it kind of went back and forth. And even in those elements of the different villains and stuff, it just felt like two or three different movies put together because the tones changed with each each character. Right. It didn't feel cohesive. That's a good point. No, those are good points. Um, yeah, no, I kind of agree with the villain thing too. Now that I think about it, you know, you had the Electro and then Harry and you had two different things going on with them and just their, their motives. Well, I guess they kind of team up at some point also, but I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I I get what you, I get what you're saying. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, let's bring up Harry Osborn because he is introduced in this movie instead of in the first one, played by Dane DeHaan, who I think is pretty good. He he plays the angsty, like, teenage brat really well, and I'm fine with that. But Harry Osborn, I really loved him until he starts getting real weird about Spider-Man's blood. 
Um, and I think it's it's just like yeah, the that's super creepy. Oh, what? It's like yeah, that's super creepy. I mean, mm-hmm. almost like it started leaning on like almost like a a vampire vibe. Yeah, mm. give me your blood. You know, it's just like <laughs> really weird. And but man, I love I love Peter and Harry's relationship right at the beginning where they're meeting back up and they had that long hug and they're talking. I thought that was great. You know, it was it was awesome. But then, yeah, like, they just descend him so far. Like, that should have been in the third movie. Like, introduce Harry as kind of a, a good guy and Harry's and Peter's friend mm-hmm. and then dealing with the death of his father, yes. But don't descend him into, like, the evilness and everything right away. I mean, it took, it took uh, James Franco two movies to really feel that, you know? And... They do this in like an hour. That's a good point. I mean, that now that I, I don't know what it was, but when I first watched this movie, I was younger, right? I, I remember like them being, I felt like closer maybe, even though he wasn't introduced in the first one, but rewatching, I was like, huh, they, they really, you don't get much time um, to see Peter and Harry kind of be friends again. You kind of get a little bit of that, but it's just so, uh, just so abrupt what happens basically. Yes. I don't know. You're not wrong in saying that. I mean, he does uh, gain the the ownership of Oscorp. He becomes the new CEO. He's thrust into this into this like uh, persona of being the head of Oscorp under. I mean, over people who don't like him, and so you know that there's going to be some kind of mutiny. But like, I feel for Harry. I do until, like you said, Amanda. Like he just gets creepy about the blood, and then. From the descent, I mean, yeah, he's dying, but like it's so it rapidly happens, unlike Norman Osborn, where he was dealing with this, you know, throughout what, like a 30 year process. And it seems like Harry is having this happen to him in like 12 hours. Yeah, that seemed strange. And that didn't really get explored too much. No. As to why. Needed more. And we get the conversation with Harry and Norman um, right before he dies, but I feel like I needed more. Like I, they shouldn't have killed uh, Norman off immediately after that conversation. Keep him around just a little bit longer. Like I just, I don't understand. Are they like on some kind of like time schedule in terms of what they can, what they can and can't do? Because they just felt like it, everything was being rushed so much. Mm-hmm. And then like right away, we get introduced to another character, Max Dillon. Who I love Jamie Foxx. I think Jamie Foxx is an excellent, excellent actor. Um, great person. But him as this geeky dorky guy with a gap in his teeth as an engineer, and like he's invisible. You gotta make sure he's invisible. Like it was just way too much. Way over the top of making him seem like a nobody. Jamie Foxx was, it was, I, I get what they're trying to do with the character. Something just didn't feel right. I don't know, rewatching it, it just didn't feel right. I don't know if it was the CGI with his whole his skin and everything, or is is just his character. I don't know. I, I kind of agree. <laughs> yeah. Self-obsessed, or not, sorry, not self-obsessed, Spider-Man-obsessed, 
Mm-hmm. He's yeah. got some like actual issues because like he's having conversations with Spider-Man in his apartment, surrounded by photos. I mean, maybe, maybe it just wasn't realistic for me. Like I don't know. It seems very his character. Just it's a little too crazy. I don't it know. was for a three-year-old to understand, and mm-hmm. I get that because Spider-Man is an icon to kids, you know, and so you don't want to make his his movies too dark. But like, pick it, pick a. Uh, tone because mm-hmm. you go as dark as you know you're killing you're killing Gwen Stacy at the end of this movie but you're having a villain like this where he's like oh I love Spider-Man like it just right. doesn't work I now know the um not saying this movie but I now know why people were all about the Jamie Foxx with the new Spider-Man stuff where I was like what is the freaking deal with Jamie Foxx in a Spider-Man movie that's like why are people getting hyped or antsy about it. Yeah. Didn't realize it was this movie. Um, <laughs> they wanted a course correction. I feel. Yeah. It was a weird character. Um, it didn't even feel, I mean, I've seen Jamie Foxx do amazing things and this was just weird. The character was weird. I didn't quite get it. And I, that between all of the other things, um, I was probably more focused on this villain than the others, but yeah, it was just different. Was not expecting it. Because he was like our poster boy for this movie was Electro. Jamie Foxx is Electro. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it was it was mostly him as like the main focus for, you know, he was going to be the big baddie. And he gets wiped out at Times Square and then we don't see him really doing any kind of chaos or anything until the end. And so you have you have him as his villain, but you underutilize him. You make him very, very hard to like or get behind because his like inner struggle is that of like nobody notices me, you know? Mm-hmm. And like they hit you over the head with it so much that you're almost like rolling your eyes mm. and I just can't get behind it. But let's talk about the Times Square fight because I, I do want to get into that because I, I really liked a lot of what was happening. It was, it was great seeing Spider-Man kind of try to talk his way out of this situation instead of punching. Um, mm-hmm. I like that he was trying to get on Max Dillon's level by calling him, you know, hey, I remember you. You're my eyes and ears, you know, like from when they, uh, when he saved him earlier in the, in, in the film. Like this movie, yeah, was, uh, hard to follow a lot of that stuff. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and just like the single watch through, which I watched just like a couple weeks ago. Right. But a lot of stuff didn't, um, sit and resonate with me. I guess. Just that. in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, to a fan like you, Gary, I mean, what what did you think about the whole Electro in Times Square and just everything that he was kind of exposed to? He got mad because Spider-Man was starting to get the limelight. Um, It's annoying to think a lot of the Electro uh, stuff could have been avoided if, you know, those policemen didn't you know start shooting again, you know. Um, that's annoying to me. I don't know. I feel like, um, 
his whole thing where he was like so hyper focused on like, oh, Spider-Man just took the spotlight from me. And like, I just finally got noticed by the world. That's just, it's again with the with thing you were saying earlier, like how this Electro is, he's such a simple villain, like with, you know, like kids can understand his, his motives and like, you know, is, do you get what I'm saying? Like, yes. I don't know. I just don't, I don't, I don't care for Electro as a villain. It just, in that scene, eh, I don't know. <laughs> well, let's switch it up just a little bit because we're not going to see Electro again until the power grid fight. Right? Right. Like we get a straight up hour of no Spider-Man and just Peter Parker figuring out random shit and figuring out what his parents did and why they left him. And Harry Osborn and his big problem. You know, like, there is an hour, people, of no Spider-Man and just this, like, mystery and drama. So, oh, and also the the romance, you know. And I can't, I, I can't get behind any of it except for the romance. And that's, that's not what people get their butts into seats for is just seeing, you know, like how a newly graduated couple deal with their problems in New York. You know, like you're not, you're not paying to see it. You're paying to see, you know, obviously conflict, but Spider-Man's not here for an hour. Yeah. That's crazy. It got to the point where like when I watched this movie and after that, uh, Manhattan or, uh, yeah, the Manhattan fight or the downtown, I'm sorry. I can't even, I can't even think. Um, mm-hmm. whenever he goes to Times Square, um, and you have the Philip Phillips song and he's like taping shit on his wall. I know that I'm in for an hour of nothing but like this. And the parent storyline doesn't work for me. It never did. And I didn't care. It was an annoyance. Um, cause I wasn't a fan of that in the first film. And I kind of don't like the idea of Spider-Man's parents being like these, crazy spies i just like the just kind of how i've always known spider-man parents gone no questions asked and he's being raised by his aunt and uncle yeah and I'm cool with that and i just assume in my head as a kid oh it was probably a car crash or something no big deal and no they're not spies like i mean they're secret scientists Secret scientists, spies, whatever. But no, 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 thank you. Now, could it be something taken out of this whole storyline to make this movie a little bit cleaner? Right. Yes, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And Gary, this this is a question that I would love for you to answer for me. Um, what did you think of? Richard Parker telling us the audience that only Peter Parker can be Spider-Man because he put his own blood in the, in the, uh, in the venom. That is interesting. I didn't even think about that, I guess. It Um, gets rid of, Oh, sorry. I'm over here answering my own question. No, I want to hear your thoughts and then I want to, I'll tell you what I, what I have to say about it. Okay. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I didn't even think about how that really limits things for like who can be Star- Spider-Man, I guess. Um, I don't know. That's uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. I don't know what what you want me to I want you to say it's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, well, I mean, are there really any other, you know, web slingers all around at one time? I mean, I, I, you know, Peter Parker is always Spider-Man, right? Right, so, yeah, but, like, think about this, okay? Just, I'm going to put you in the mindset of the 60s when <laughs> Spider-Man right. was kind of created. Like, the big draw of Spider-Man and Amanda, yeah, you can... Uh, most likely attest to this, but like the big draw with Spider-Man was he was an everyman. It was absolute luck, pure luck. I mean, he would say it's a curse of getting bit by the spider. It was just him. It was just this normal teenager who gets granted these powers and he has to decide that this is what I have to do. And he's still trying to play that normal teenager to young adult, to college graduate, to a married man. Um, with these powers that were granted to him all by chance. And all that is basically taken away by this movie by saying that only Peter Parker, because of his blood, can become Spider-Man. It just gets rid of that illusion that anybody can be Spider-Man, which they right. try to force feed into us later with, uh, gosh, what's his name? The, the, the little kid that stands up to Rhino later in the movie. Oh yeah, mm, the one okay. the one you used earlier in the movie in the alley. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying now. Yeah. No, that is kinda yeah. <laughs> I mean it works for different storylines and different characters in other movies. I mean kind of like I'm I'll just pull out Star Wars with like Luke Skywalker, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. So he's like the one that's gifted the magic. Whatever. But that's like sci-fi fantasy and it's Luke and that works. But Spider-Man has always been like the rest of us. And to kind of take that um, that gift away in a different way and redirect it, it just doesn't have the same feeling. doesn't have the same vibe. Yeah. And Gary, I don't expect you to just kind of get that right away um, because like you don't look at it in that kind of sense because, yeah, Peter Parker is – Spider-Man, that's what we know. But mm-hmm. it just kind of like shatters that illusion that that he's the everyman. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, and like that was kind of the big revelation in this movie is that Peter Parker was destined to be Spider-Man, which, you know, is true. I mean, he is. But great, now we have this. You know, like from there we – move on to uh, the subplot of, you know, Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy going to London um, to a college program. And so, like, you'd think, like, okay, this is great for Peter, so we can finally get over her, you know? that That's just kind of one way to look at it, but really it means that Peter will follow her anywhere to the point where he said, you know, I'll go to London with you. And... Mm-hmm. What about this whole big responsibility thing that you have for this city? Wow. Mm-hmm. It just seems so out of character. What What about you, Amanda? Am, am I just kind of like being a fanboy here? <laughs> no, I totally get you. Um, yeah. Uh, that's another one of the points of the movie. Like I said, like it just goes back and forth between so many different things to where I'm like, they would have just stuck with one villain and then focused on this relationship and what it was, but don't follow people anywhere. Um, yes. Take care yes. Of your responsibilities. Um, <laughs> but, 
but you know, you promised her dad you wouldn't. Um, yeah, it just makes you go, oh, shoot. Um, it's too much to where in my head, I mean, I didn't think she was going to die, but in my head I was like, if he keeps doing this, it's her demise. Like, mm, this is too much. This is too much. And yeah, there we go. Yeah, we definitely, I mean, I feel for him. I really do because, you know, like he does, he loves her and uh, who wouldn't? It's freaking Emma Stone. She's beautiful. Right. Um, but like you made this promise to her dad, you know what you deal with day in and day out. I mean, you're dodging bullets, you know, um, physically, physically. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, you're fighting an electric man (laughs) in times square while everybody is watching, mind you, like everybody was down there in times square, just watching this fight and with policemen shooting at, you know, this electric man, I'm sitting there like, what, what are you guys doing? Like, I understand like it's crazy, but like, you can see it's televised. Just go home and watch it on TV because why are you putting yourself in danger? That was one of the big complaints I had. Um, but to add on to an already, like I said, bloated movie, they introduced Felicia Hardy, played by the wonderful Felicity Jones. And in the comics, uh, Gary, this is Black Cat. Do you know anything about okay. Black Cat? That no, but I I think I actually knew that. I and I think I maybe you talked about it or someone maybe I just found that out on my own. But like that also is really interesting how they again they're setting up for this next movie. You know they have these characters in place that have a, a role later on. It's just annoying. You know what could have been. It, yeah, I I am in total agreement with you because kind of like how I felt with Amazing Spider-Man. I was like, okay, we got through that mess to get to. A hopefully better story and also just a continuation of Spider-Man in a cinematic universe. You know, I was all excited for it. And so that's exactly where I was after this. I was like, okay, we got through that mess. Let's go on with Spider-Man three and see what we're going to get after that. You know, mm-hmm. and I was all for it. I went through and looked at countless news or news and like stories and what they were talking about. Um, I mean, a big draw to this movie was that there was going to be the Sinister Six. And we see that because we're going to have Green Goblin. We're going to have Rhino. Um, Electro's dead, so we wouldn't have him. But then we, you see Dr. Octopus's, um, arms in, in that cage behind them or like whatever that display case was. Um, you, you spotted that, right? Is that at the very end? At the very end, yeah. I, yes, okay. Ah. So like they were all that was all there to get you ready for the new movie that was going to be coming out. It, it was I think it was going to be Sinister Six and then Spider-Man Three. Uh, if I can remember, like I said, it's been a while, you know, it's, since I cared about it. So some of that has left me, but yeah, I mean, we're sitting here talking about the story of these characters. And Electro is in that prison of Ravencroft for what he's done. And he's working with uh, Kafka, German scientist Kafka, Kafka, uh, another weird character. Um, And the comics is actually a woman who operates on people in Ravencroft. Um, So it was weird that they turned her into a German scientist man. Um, 
And then, yeah, I mean, you have all of this, this fluff added to this movie. And really, we're just wanting to get, we're wanting to get these like interactions with these superhumans, such as, uh, Electro, Spider-Man, the Rhino, and now Green Goblin with Norman. Um, what did you think of Norman as, or not Norman, I'm sorry, with, uh, what did you think of Harry as Green Goblin coming into this, uh, Amanda, compared to what we had before? <laughs> Definitely not as pretty. <laughs> Definitely is way more creepy. Um, I was not a fan of his makeup and that whole thing. You didn't like his hair either? No. <laughs> <laughs> the spiked up hair? Oh, my God. Travesty. It was just... It was just too much, which I feel like that's just kind of, for me, this movie, everything. This movie wasn't enough, and it was too much at the same time. Yeah. It wasn't I, enough to sing on certain aspects because there was just, yeah, three villains, and then their relationship, and the relationship was, like, kind of pushed heavily in a different way. And, yeah, even Aunt May bits, like, it was too much and not enough of like everything. Yeah, she was. It felt like she was barely in it. I know that we talked about Rosemary Harris barely being in Spider-Man Three. Aunt May in this, she has one good scene with. Well, I guess one and a half good scenes with Peter, and then she's kind of thrust into her own little thing where she's now going to nurse night school. Um, I wanted to see that struggle a little more because and she. Well, and she doesn't need to put him through college. I mean, shit. How many of us put ourselves through college? Right. Like, at me. Chill out. <laughs> well, I mean, she <laughs> loves that boy. Student mm. loan and be in debt until he's, like, 50. It's fine. Yeah. Like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, I don't know. There's there There was just, like you said, too much going on, but too little going on with things that we actually cared about. Except for, the, like I said, the overexposure of... The parent plot, which I don't know if I'm alone, but I can't I can't remember anybody that and like my social uh, my social circle thinking that like, man, I can't wait to hear more about Spider-Man's parents, you know? Nobody cares. Yeah. (laughs) We care about his aunt and uncle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, No, I agree with with the point about the parents. I don't know. It just wasn't again this. This wasn't something that I was like, oh, my gosh, like, what happened to their parents? I, I just need to know. I was never like that during the original series, you know, with Tobey Maguire. And I wasn't really that invested this movie like this with this time around. Right. Right. Uh, it's kind of annoying. Right. Um, takes away from other things that could have, you know, been with this movie, I guess. Um, yeah. Think, think about Tom Holland. I mean, we don't even know what Uncle Ben looked like. You know, and parents, bah, they never even mentioned. It's just him right. and Marissa Tomei, who, I mean, who else would you need to pay attention to? But, like, it, they they decided against that for this, or for the MCU Spider-Man, and I think they really lucked out there, because there's just so much baggage with this, and the parent plot was just way too heavy for this already overloaded movie. For real, yeah. I mean, it was really intricate now that I think about it. Yeah, a lot going on with that. Right. Um, let's go ahead and kind of dive into Electro and Spider-Man at the 
uh, Power Grid. Some of the best stuff was here. This was like your money shot trailer fueled like scenes that needed to be exposed. Oh my God, it looks brilliant. Um, I loved everything about it. Like I said, Electro, not a good villain, but man, his fight with Spider-Man was just brilliantly done. Oh yeah. Visually it was like very cool to watch. Yeah. No, just, uh, I... yeah. The neon tones, the color changes, everything like that. I mean, on the screen, very, very pretty. Yeah, no, I agree with, with all that. I mean, it was really interesting to watch. It was very, a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on with, you know, all the, the lights and the, the electricity and, you know, um, even Gwen was helping out, you know, that was really interesting. And I thought like, man, she, she's, she's, she's helping out. She's, uh, you know, she's putting herself in danger, right? Which is exactly what her dad didn't want her to do, but they, they're doing it like, and they're gonna stop this guy and everything's going to be all right. And then it just keeps going. And, yes. Uh, yeah. Um, it's great having Electro be defeated and it was the help of Gwen Stacy and Spider-Man. But then we have just like, we have to have like the ending fight with Green Goblin. This shouldn't have been at the end. It just, it, no. it was way yeah, too it much. Have been at the end. Um, just there was more buildup with Electro. Yeah. And I mean, if I that will, makes sense. I will, There's more of a connection with that villain. Right, and that's what it's supposed to be. It's this supposed to be his movie. Give Green Goblin his own movie next time. Don't like, and that's why everything that we saw from when uh, he gets injected with the spider blood or venom or whatever to when he puts on the suit, have that be like your post credit scene. Yeah, that would have been a great post credit scene. And um, then get rid of the fluff of Gwen Stacy's death, the funeral, and all that. And save it. Yeah, don't kill her yet. Like, why would you kill her? I know. No. <sighs> that made no sense. If they were planning on having more movies, I feel like just. <laughs> yeah, that's what, exactly what I was thinking. Like, you you have a plan yeah, for the four. Fact they went with Gwen Stacy and not Mary Jane. I would get it if it would have been a Mary Jane, and then she died. Then you would know, like, well, Gwen Stacy's gonna show up eventually. Right. But I don't know who's after Gwen Stacy. Well, we had Ben Grant. Relationship, but, you know, whatever. Right. <laughs> I just, I feel like if if this movie could have been made a little differently, uh, save Green Goblin for Amazing Spider-Man 3, have the ending battle be with Electro. I mean, I don't know what you would do really to end this movie on, like, a cliffhanger. Well, I mean, other than, you know, Green Goblin stuff, but, like, it just, when you have this huge battle scene and then the death of Gwen Stacy and then her funeral and then the months that Peter is grieving, I mean, it's just like the movie takes like a 30 minute halt and it just slows down so much until the end where he fights Rhino and you have that graduation speech. It's just, this movie just like slowed down a little too much for me. Um, and yeah, it was heartbreaking seeing Gwen Stacy die. Uh, we didn't want to see it happen, but to me, it was very ballsy with their decision to kill her off in this second movie. Yeah, no, I mean, 
I, I, you know, this is my Spider-Man. This is my Gwen Stacy slash MJ, right? Right. Well, Gwen Stacy, but you, you know what I mean? The love interest, right? Yeah. It was so hard watching that, like, as a kid. And even now, it was still just, I, I hate it. It's, it's like, I didn't feel like it didn't need to happen. I don't know. <laughs> the thing that I can compare this to for, for me growing up, um, and not to make you feel old, Amanda, but like the Phantom Menace, where you have <laughs> Jar Jar Binks, who is basically Max Dillon in this movie, and then the death of Qui-Gon Jinn in the same movie. It's just like, what happened to the tone? Aww. You know, like it that messed me up seeing Qui-Gon Jinn die. And then, you know, it's, I, I could feel like this would be such a tonal shift for for gary you know like you're going in thinking well these are just some fun villains you know and then it went a little too dark that i think way too dark there just needed to be kind of a line and yes we had the death of um of Uncle Ben in the in the first Amazing Spider-Man, but like that tone already felt but a little darker. Everybody knows that though. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, every, all the comic fans knew that Gwen Stacy isn't going to make it forever. But I, I mean, even us, like going in, I just didn't expect her to to fall and die. So I don't know. Like, I, I applaud them for the riskiness of it, but I. On the execution of it all, ooh, bad pun. Um, <laughs> they, it could have it could have been done a little better or saved for another movie where maybe in the third one there is a tonal shift of it being a much darker movie where you're not making jokes and there's nobody parading around in rhino underwear, you know. So that's kind of where I leave it. Um, and then, like I said, we get. We get months and months of Peter being grief-stricken and ending his career as Spider-Man, only to have it five months later, he comes back and fights next to Jorge, I think is the kid's name, uh, where we have like this call to arms from Gwen Stacy's speech, and he confronts Rhino. And we see the background of the beginning of the sinister six with uh, Harry Osborn. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the amazing Spider-Man too, just in a whole. I mean, again, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but it was like a mile trek and like yeah. concrete shoes to get through this movie. I feel like I'm being like, I, I want, I just want Gary to talk about <laughs> his, his feels for this. Yes, <laughs> like I, 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 I want to know the the good stuff that you've really enjoyed with yeah. this because I feel like That's all we've been doing is kind of, you know. Um, I'm telling you, this movie, this series has a chokehold on me. I, I can't. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've been sitting here discussing like the actual issues with this this the film series, all right? But I, there's just something about it, like the characters. I don't know if it's just spider-man himself i the, the 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 maybe it's just because maybe it's just the nostalgia i don't know 
I this is my favorite Spider-Man, and I feel like it will always be uh, Andrew Garfield, right? Right. The way this movie ended so emotionally impacted me when I first <clears throat> first watched it. Like, it, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, I love it. I don't know. This is my Spider-Man. And I hope you think, I hope you know I'm that not, we're not trying to take that away from you. No, that's, no, I, totally fine. I, I, I can look at this from a, with a critical eye, right, and have this discussion, <laughs> but it's always going to be my favorite. I don't know, unless... Unless this next Spider-Man movie, right, is just, which it seems like it's it's going to be pretty mind-blowing, but still, I don't know. Right. Oh gosh. Ah. Let's I let's talk about just a little bit because there's a reason why we're doing this retrospective, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So the big news that everybody knows is we're getting Doctor Octopus coming back as, uh, with Alfred Molina. We're getting Electro, Jamie Foxx. He's reprising his role from this movie. Um, Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin. <laughs> what were you saying? No, I was just saying I, I can't. Uh, yeah, I, I was all confused about the Jamie Foxx stuff when it first came out. I was like, what? Why are people all <laughs> Why do they this? want this? <laughs> I'm glad that this now kind of cleared it up for you. Yeah. But we get we're, we are getting the lizard. He's coming back. Um, I don't know if it's an updated version of the lizard. I hope it's not Rise Iphens because we don't <laughs> need him. Um, and I mean, we we have maybe the Sandman coming in. I I know the Sandman is, but I just don't know if it's Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman from Spider Man Three. I mean, these are all pretty much like confirmed. And then the big news is: Are we getting Tobey Maguire? And Andrew Garfield in this third movie. I mean, a lot of people want Andrew Garfield. I'm not sorry, not Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire. But Gary, I'm with you, dude. I want Andrew Garfield 150,000 percent because he he struck a chord with a lot of people. He's kind of the unsung hero of being Spider-Man. A lot of people don't talk about him, but there there is a cult following. You're not alone. Well, I know, I know exactly why. I, I'm, a, I'm a part of that cult. I have yeah. to say. Uh, <laughs> like I said, some of the best Spider-Man stuff that I've saw, that I've seen in a Spider-Man movie is taken from this. He does a phenomenal job as Spider-Man, and that's why I'm so pissed that there wasn't more. Mm. You know, like think about it. I want you to start a stopwatch and clock in how much of Spider-Man is in this movie. And then get back to me. I'm serious. And not just you. I'm talking to everybody. Because it's it's just too too little. And I know that we get a lot of him, a lot of Spider-Man in the next movie we're going to be talking about. Um, and a movie that it doesn't even have him in the title, you know? <laughs> so um, I'm really excited about that. But, yeah, I, I think... We're good here. I think we can kind of put a cap on Andrew Garfield's reign as Spider-Man uh, for now. So, Amanda. Yes? Would you mind rating The Amazing Spider-Man 2? Oh, um, I will give this a 1.7. 
okay, I'm literally going to take it just a few notches down. I'm going a 1.5. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) See, I thought you were going to say a few notches up. Because I was already like, ooh, with the 1.7. I mean, yeah. And I was like, oh, he must be, he's about to take it a little higher, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pull the pull the fast one on you. What about you, Gary? What what would you rate the Amazing Spider-Man to? You know, I don't remember what I rated exactly each original Spider-Man film of the originals. I mean, but I I think for this one, I have to give it a solid two point five. I'm sorry. I know, I know there are issues with this film. <laughs> yeah, don't apologize. I I I just love it. I I really do. I don't know what it is about it. I yeah. Gary, the only you know, reason, that yeah, that it brings you joy, and that's what this is about. Movies okay. are supposed to make you happy; they're not <laughs> supposed to frustrate you. It's just Amanda and I get frustrated pretty easy, I guess. <laughs> right. Um, but well, like the same thing though. Like Spider Man Three was definitely mirrors this a little bit. Yes, but I still enjoyed that movie because oh, that yeah. was my Spider Man. Right. And there was so, actually, you know, a lot of Spider-Man in that. If not that, then Bully Maguire. I mean, we got enough of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason I'm giving this a 1.5, Gary, and nothing lower is because of Spider-Man in those scenes. Mm-hmm. It's just everything else, f- like, falls for me. Everything right. else. Um, and I'm, like, I'm elevating him a little more because he was fantastic in this. It's just what he was given was just lackluster, and they can do better, and they do do better, because we're going to see that later on with these new films with Tom Holland that we get to discuss soon. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But that's our review on The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, And after that, I mean, we're moving on to Captain America Civil War, where we get introduced to the new MCU Spider-Man. Tom Holland, you guys excited? Oh yeah, I am. I am ready. But uh, before we go, we want to thank you all for joining us for this episode. We hope you guys enjoy it. And if you want to, you know, be on Gary's side and <laughs> ask ask Amanda and I why we're so rough on us or harsh, please let us know. Email us at the Real Zodiac at gmail.com or uh, find us on Facebook at The Real Zodiac and uh, join our group on Facebook The Real Zodiac group and talk to us let us know what you have to say about this movie so yeah other than that I think it is time for us to go and we will be back to discuss Captain America Civil War with Tom Holland Spider-Man alright see you guys
Oh